Hello and welcome to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Sarah. And I'm Dan. We're a movie show that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season, the theme is cops. Like all good podcasts, this show contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the movie that we're covering. So this week, we are talking about one of your favourite films, Bad Boys. Yes. Yeah, giving the game away there a little bit. Um, <laughs> came out in 1995. It did. And it was directed by Michael Bay. I, do you know what? I didn't realise it was his first. Yeah. Straight off the back of music videos Yeah. for music people. For music people, yes. Yeah. But colloquially known as musicians, I believe. I believe that's the term, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know that he came from a music video background. How could you not know? I don't I don't know <laughs> an awful lot about Michael Bay. Every one of his movies looks like a music video. Well, yeah, it makes sense now that I have that information. But I'm going to be honest straight out of the gate and just say I don't... I'm not very familiar with his work. I would go as far as to say I've sort of avoided a lot of it intentionally. I'm, I'm far more familiar with like the first half of his back catalogue than I am the latter half. I hate Transformers. Yeah. There we go. I've said it. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, well, if we're talking about Michael Bay pictures then, obviously this one was his first. Yeah. And we'll get into Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. Followed this up with The Rock. Yeah. Which is one of the greatest action movies <laughs> ever made. Okay. Yeah. Objectively. Okay. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> you don't need to justify yourself to me. And then after that, it was Armageddon, which yep. was a huge success. You love that. I do. Animal it's crackers. cheesy as fuck. <laughs> Animal cracker scene can get fucked. <laughs> I saw Armageddon four times at the cinema. That's insane. How old were you? Uh, uh, 14. 14. 14. Okay. Yeah, when that came out. Do you still enjoy it as much? Would you go and see it four times now? I wouldn't go to see it four times now, <laughs> but I've watched it a lot more since the cinema. Okay. Um, yeah, I still enjoy it. It's a good old time. It's a good old time. Okay. After that was Pearl Harbor, <laughs> yeah. which people do not like. I don't think Michael Bay was the man for a historical epic. It's it's a tone-deaf movie, isn't it? It's massively it's tone-deaf. Like, why are you getting the... We'll get into it, but the king of stylized action <laughs> movies... To make, to make a war about film. history where like <laughs> real people died. Yeah. It's not the greatest, is it? It's not the move, no. No. Um, and then we get into shit like The Island, which I didn't care for. And you mentioned Transformers. I haven't seen The Island. Uh, that's rubbish. Okay. <laughs> I'll um, continue to avoid it. <laughs> it's And then you get into 17 Transformers movies. I enjoyed, Only 17? <laughs> only 17. I, I enjoyed the first one when it came out. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them are just unwatchable. I think I've only seen two, and I hated the first. Um, and oh, yeah. I have the same criticism about that as I do about things like Pacific Rim, um, in that you can't see what's going on. Too much shaky cam, too much, too much close-up. Yeah. Like That's not what I want from an action film. It, my biggest problem with Pacific Rim is that the word rim is in the title, but there's no actual rimming in the movie. There isn't. That's your complaint. <laughs> that's- <laughs> But I like the movie. More rimming. Yeah. Um, so Transformers, like the first one, the rest of them are garbage. Um, 13 Hours is not a bad movie. That's pretty good. 13 I've hours. only seen it once, but I enjoyed that. I'm not familiar with that at all, which shocks me. All right. Um, Jim from the office. Is it Jim or Tim? Jim? From the, the American, office. From the American office, yeah. John Krasinski. Yes. Jim. Jim, right. <laughs> um, so Jim from the office plays a super hard soldier and oh. they've got to get in this uh, building, I think, in 13 hours. I think what, how have I never seen like that? I find him very likeable. It's all right, actually. It's not a bad film. Okay. It's quite enjoyable. Maybe we'll, we'll watch it one day. All right. Um, Pain and Gain. You missed Pain and Gain. Pain I haven't gain. seen that either. Yeah, not great. Not great. It's Mark Wahlberg in it. So, Ugh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you do get to balance that out with Anthony Mackie. Who is um, excellent in fucking everything. In everything, yeah. Um, but then it goes back down again because The Rock's in it. 
<laughs> um, Six Underground, which was... I don't even know what that movie was or what it was trying to be. I don't think Michael Bay knew what that movie was. No. Ryan Reynolds certainly didn't. Skateboard rocket launchers? <laughs> I don't know. You remember far more about it than I do. And, and that kid from EastEnders. His latest film at time of recording is Ambulance, which we watched a few months ago. Yeah, and shockingly, I got more out of that than you did. You enjoyed it more. <laughs> it gave me a headache. Yeah, way, I can see that. Way too many drones. There was some really cool stuff in it, but mm-hmm. um, oh, it just it just, it just, just went over the top with it. And I think that's just Michael Bay all over. Mm-hmm. I find that his earlier work is much better because I feel like he, maybe he was restrained somewhat, whether that be by budget. Which is wild that Bad Boys is restrained. Bad Boys is <laughs> really restrained, yeah. Um, and that's it. That takes us up to the end of... Not, not the, the end, end of his career. career no. <laughs> we can hope. He's still going. Um, and I, they're still making bank, apparently, I, I think, his, yeah. his movies. So he's going to continue to make them. Oh, fair play to him. Um, so before we dive fully into <laughs> the nonsense that is Bad Boys, do you have a synopsis for us? Yeah, I do. So the tagline is, what you're going to do? Because <laughs> Bad Boys, Bad Boys, what you're going to do? Yeah. Synopsis. Marcus Burnett is a henpecked family man. What does that <laughs> okay. mean? What does henpecked mean? It means mean? Um, oh, we've got sexism. Because <laughs> his wife is a nag. A big old naggy <laughs> wife. Wah, 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 wah. Can't go police work. So he's henpecked. Yeah, this movie is not aged brilliantly. In many respects. In many ways. We'll get into it. Um, Marcus Burnett is a henpecked family man. Yep. Michael Lowry is a footloose and fancy free ladies man. Yeah, we don't see a great deal of him ladies manning. But it is implied. There is some ladies manning what was cut out, apparently, Mm. as well. There is some ladies manning where he woke up in a bed with, can you believe it? twins (laughs) twins <laughs> i was your mind twins he's such a ladies man it's michael bay i can definitely <laughs> believe that yes yeah <laughs> i'm just amazed it wasn't triplets to yeah. Be honest. <laughs> yeah yeah um where were we so lowry is a footloose and fancy free ladies man apparently both are miami policemen and both have 72 hours to reclaim a consignment of drugs stolen from under their station's nose to complicate matters in order to get the assistance of the sole witness to a murder they have to pretend to be each other for some reason. Yeah, I don't really understand why they weren't... I mean, I get that she was resistant. We'll, look, we'll get to this. Okay. <laughs> Alternative synopsis. Two giant idiots <laughs> lock into some mediocre police work. Mediocre? I think, I think you're being way kind, way overkind if you're saying mediocre. <laughs> I said they looked into it. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it wasn't active. Okay, so there's a synopsis. Um, so yeah, they've got to track down some stolen drugs. Um, mm-hmm. It's heroin, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> um, and they were stolen, f- stolen from the old bills, the the, the police station. I shouldn't use colloquial terms, really, should I? Dibble shack. Like, what's that? <laughs> dibble. Dibble. Is that a northern thing? I think Maybe so. Maybe dibble's a northern thing. Um, <laughs> yes. So that's the, the well. The very first scene mm-hmm. is. Mike and Marcus in the 9-11 doing some back and forth dialogue, quick, you know, snappy, snappy, you're a bellend. No, you're a bellend. Yeah. Why are you dropping a chip in my car? (laughs) You've got no respect for my property. Blah, 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 blah. That's exactly how it played out. Pretty much. That was, um, that was filmed after the fact. That was a reshoot. Yeah. Yeah. There were four, there were four scenes apparently. Um, that was a reshoot. The Porsche was Michael Bay's own Porsche. Um, (laughs) of course it was. Of course it was. Because they couldn't afford to get any more cars, uh, we didn't mention the budget, which was which was twenty million, and it grossed one hundred forty one million worldwide. Wow. So things like using your own car is necessary. But yeah, opening scene, so they're having a bit of um, back and forth, and then they get Kim Coates arrives and tries to steal their car. Mm-hmm. And it, I will say, somebody from Sons of Anarchy. Apparently, he was in Sons of Anarchy. I know him from um, Waterworld as the guy that oh says, Oh, God, paper. Yeah. It's paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which you yeah. uh, warned me that you would quote far more often than has actually well, happened. Well, it's coming to fruition now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he tries to buy a child. Anyway, moving on. Um, bad, bad boys. Let's just gloss over that, yeah. shall we? So this is the opening scene. And as we said, it's a reshoot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really, really good scene. Because, <laughs> okay, hear me out. Justify it, it, 
it lets it just tells you what movie you're watching and i appreciate yeah. that in a silly action movie mm. and it is nonsense and we'll yeah. get into it but it shows you that look sit down guys we're going to do some sunsets we're going to do some snappy dialogue we're going to use the words fuck and bitch on repeat constantly yeah and we're just going to have a good old time and and just dig each other out a bit um, plus, we're going to have some sexy ladies. Because <laughs> oh, yes, there was a sexy lady yeah. as a decoy, as a, as a distraction. Yeah, as a distraction for yeah. my... And it works. It does. They get... they're giant idiots. Yes. <laughs> they tried to get carjacked, uh, or, or they need to get carjacked, and they do a little argument, which is kind of their shtick. It puts off the baddies, and then they punch them, bosh, and then they stop the crime from happening. They do. They stop. A crime. Yeah, and um, I think... the mediocre police work. Mediocre police work. Mediocre script. Oh, incredibly. But wasn't a ton of it... I mean, I feel like I read somewhere that Michael Bay kind of went on record to say that he thought the script was garbage, which is why there was so much ad-libbing. Yeah, let's just repeat that statement. Michael Bay... (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bay said that the script was garbage. So Lord only knows. Has the original script ever been released? Because I would pay money to read it. Do you know anything about the original intention of this of this movie? Very little. Okay, so let's do a little bit on that then. So originally was conceived. um, It was going to be a Disney production. Fuck. Can you believe? Yeah. And it was going to star (laughs) SNL alumni. Oh yeah, no, I did read something about this. (laughs) Which well, so I read originally that the leads were intended for Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. But then I read elsewhere mm. that it was supposed to be for John Lovitz <laughs> and Dana Carvey, which yeah. would have been the most different vibe. I like to think it was meant to be John Lovitz's character from The Wedding Singer. <laughs> <laughs> He's losing his mind. <laughs> and I'm reading all the benefits. Um, I think the Eddie Murphy thing came after. I think originally yeah. it was going to be a Disney production. That would make sense. Um, Dan Carvey, John Lovitz, working title was Bulletproof Hearts, which is a hot That's steaming pile of shit. Terrible. It's terrible. Apparently... Isn't there already, like, there's more than one film called Bulletproof at this point as well. Yeah, well, you've got the, um, isn't there, isn't that the one with Gary Boosie? Bulletproof. I don't know, there was... I'm thinking of something different. There's an Adam perhaps. Sandler. Adam, yeah, Adam Sandler. And maybe a Wayans? There's definitely a Wayans in it. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Sony procured the rights. Right. And it went on. And then maybe when that's that's when the Eddie Murphy thing was, and uh, Wesley Snipes thing was being shopped around. That would make a lot more sense. Eventually they cast Martin Lawrence, who was a big deal back then. Who knew? And he bought on was in, or encouraged the team to bring on Will Smith. Okay. Which is funny because when I saw this, I have a clue, like for the first time, I have a clue who Martin Lawrence was, mm. but I knew all about Will Smith because of Fresh oh, Prince. Fresh Prince, Fresh yeah. Prince of Air. So he was very much the lead, in, in my opinion. But mm. first build in 1995, Band Boys was Martin Lawrence. How things change. How things change, yeah. Um, Martin Lawrence never slapped anybody in, at an award show that I'm aware of. No, I don't so think so. Maybe he should have Will Smith's career. He tried to. He, t- he did that movie Blue Streak, which yeah. I quite liked, and Big Mama's House. Oh. Maybe there were three of those movies. Big Mama's House. Jesus Christ. I think I've seen one, but I've seen a trailer, which was enough for me. I think that's something I've intentionally pushed to the back of yeah. the recesses of my mind. It looks terrible. Yeah. So we've done the opening scene. Which so is, it's interesting that you say the opening scene is so great because the first note I wrote was, "I hate all of these people." <laughs> Everyone, criminals, okay. cops, everybody involved. Yeah. I hate them. The criminals were bad. The, the script was bad. Kim Coates says, I'm a stand-up comedian and I suck. That's why I need your car. Right. And it was just like, really? like that. I feel like that line was just said so that Mike Lowry can punch him and go, tell me another joke, bitch. <laughs> I believe that's how it went. Um, I, I want to know what lines are the remnants of the hot garbage script and what exactly was ad-libbed. I think it's quite easy to tell. I think Do anything you? with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, there's probably like an 80% chance that it was ad-libbed. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's a couple of other scenes that are ad-libbed and then I feel like, and it depends how you're interpreting the term ad-libbed as well because I feel like a lot of it would have been Michael Bay just before they, they shout action going to TLO the only saying, you know, why don't you say this or why don't yeah. you say that? Is that ad-libbed? Not in the true sense. I guess more of a collaborative as-you-go effort. I think that's mostly how this movie was shot. Yeah. 
But after we get the intro to Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, we get the drug heist, which I think is a very cool scene. Yeah. I think it's it's done well enough. For the budget, there's a lot of close-ups. It's, there's a lot of it's, it's shot in the darkness. You can't see a lot of the set, but I think it's done well enough. They shoot a policeman or a criminal dressed as a policeman, and he falls out of the truck, which was a practical stunt. Um, stunt man jumping out of the van at 25, 30 miles an hour Fucking with a, a wooden plank attached to his uh, chest or back. I forget which. I think it was his chest because I remember watching the movie and thinking, "Ah, oh, that shirt's too big for him." But I think it was just a big old lump <laughs> yeah. of plywood that was underneath his shirt. <laughs> But yeah, real real practical effect. Um, and that's when they steal the heroin from the police station <laughs> that's got one security guard <laughs> yeah. scratching his nose. And there's, for some reason, they've got a ventilation shaft that can fit entire human beings through. It's not the greatest design. But I did appreciate, and I've never noticed it before, that Mike Lowry, Will Smith's character, actually comments on that. He actually goes, oh, does he? Oh, this is a very intelligent design. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> I'm pointing to the... Um, the ventilation uh, shaft that they they crawled through. Well, that must have been something that was added after the I fact. I think then. so. <laughs> yeah, they were like, this is nonsense. Well, yeah. what if we comment on it? Yeah, we can do a meta thing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that's that's the setup in the movie. Stolen drugs. They've got to get the drugs back. Mm-hmm. And they're super cool and not misogynistic at all. Even the women are misogynists in this film. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. So they've got to find the drugs. Yeah. The drugs have been taken by a chicky carrier. Yeah, because presumably Peter Stormare was unavailable. Peter Stormare is in Bad Boys 2. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Whenever it calls for a vaguely European bad guy, he's top of the list. This was slightly before Peter Stormare's time, I feel like. So at this time, if you wanted a, a criminal that was that was European, then you got Czechy Carrier. Right, for okay. Sure. And I thought he did a good enough job with, you know, your horrible script. I thought he was menacing enough. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. He looks the part. He's quite gruff and aggressive. And I think he did well enough. I think he's kind of... Do you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say I think he was sort of underused. Definitely. We don't... I mean, I know it's not about him. He's not one of the bad boys. <laughs> he's, not, well, he's not... He's a bad boy. <laughs> he's a bad boy, but he's not the titular bad boy. No. So, so I understand why we don't spend a lot of time with the criminals, but I think maybe that was a mistake. I would yeah. like to see more of the opposite side. Yes, no, I, I agree. And the he was the only, I would hesitate to use the word interesting. He was very one note, but he, yeah. he had something because of the way that he delivered his dialogue, I think. But the other, he's like henchmen, were just terrible. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> Especially like the really... New York looking yeah. old school mafia guy. Yeah. Who definitely must have ad libbed his lines think, because they were tremendously awful. I think some of it, yeah. I think <laughs> I think in order to be in um Fouché's gang, the first question was, Are you a misogynist? And it was first tick box, yes, great, you've Wait, got the job. So that's the same questionnaire that they uh, issue to potential police recruits as well. <laughs> I think so. Presumably. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> so they've got the drugs. Eddie Dominguez, ex-policeman, mm-hmm. has done a little inside job because it's the 90s and it's a police movie, so there's got to be an inside <laughs> man. Yeah. He decides to have a little party and he steals some heroin and employs a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Who happens she, to know Who happens Lowry. to know Mike Lowry. Yes, Max is her name. And she has a mate, what is called Julie. Who uh, is Julie. very much not up for it. Yeah, she's not up. And rightly so. Yeah. Tia Leone in this movie. Um, definitely the first film I would have seen Tia Leone in. Have you ever seen a film, I think it was called Flirting with Disaster. No. Which I believe was like late 90s, around about the time she married Duchovny. Right. And I just remember, like that was my, probably the first thing I ever saw her in. And I just remember thinking, I don't really get it. Like, I don't get it. Why is she in this role? Yeah. Rewatching this, I get it. Okay. She's hot. <laughs> I didn't get it, now I get it. And she was pretty good in this, actually. Do you know what? I thought that she, ele- I think she elevates this movie. I think her character has equally really good dialogue given the premise and the, the, <laughs> yeah. the world that we're in. Comparatively good Comparatively, dialogue. that's it, yeah. <laughs> comparatively good dialogue and equally comparatively terrible dialogue. But she has dogs, which makes up. She for has it. dogs, yeah. And she, I assume, going off the dialogue, is probably a vegetarian. Yes, I believe so. Um, and that scene was was ad libbed. 
as well. Okay. Um, the the bologna scene you were talking Something about. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I was just talking about what goes into the meat and it's just... Yeah. Mm, I've never been so happy to be vegan. So, <laughs> so she's at this party with Max. Max gets murdered unceremoniously by Fouché. Uh, Julie happens to be in the bathroom at the time and cue little foot chase through the Al Capone suite in this building <laughs> and she jumps off the roof into the swimming pool um, and she gets away. Which was like kind of a boss move but also she's terrible at hiding. Throughout the film there are so many instances where she could have just remained safe by hiding Yeah, and she's not good at that. No, she's not great. No. But thankfully she is at least tough to back it up. Yeah. So she uh, gets away she is aware that Max is friends. I feel like this is way too complicated, this plot for this movie. Oh, but 100%. I'm just trying to set this up. Some of the stuff you've said, I'm just like, I've clearly forgotten okay. in the space of the couple of days between watching it and recording. Luckily, I've seen this movie 37 times. <laughs> this year. Yeah. Um, she gets away. She calls the police precinct to speak to Mike Lowry only because Max trusts Mike Lowry. Mm -hmm. She's aware that uh, the police are involved as an inside man somehow, so she's very adamant. I can only speak to Mike Lowry. Um, Joey Pants picks up the phone. Yeah. Captain Howard, who is, I think, the standout in this movie. I think he's fucking great in this yeah. film. I think he's great. He knows exactly what movie he's in. <laughs> he's the stressed the out captain. Ridiculous dialogue, but like he's on, he's like 60 seconds away from an aneurysm all the time. <laughs> Which is the appropriate kind of blood pressure level for a <laughs> I feel like would it, assume. I feel like every just before every scene, he's just having a quick conversation with Michael Bay and he's getting so <laughs> amped up by his dialogue with him. Um, yeah, so anyway, Captain Howe picks up the phone, Mike Lowry's out investigating, so he's not available to talk. Marcus Burnett is, so Captain Howe says, Marcus. You must pretend to be Mike. I don't give a shit. You've got to pretend to be him. So he does, and he goes and meets Julie, and then... Some wacky miscommunications ensue. Yeah, like we're doing kind of a body swap, but not thing <laughs> in this movie. That would have been far too complicated an element for this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's a witness. She's in protective custody. They've got to protect her, and then she's helping with the investigation to find the bad guys. And that is... Everything um, that you need to know about this overly convoluted plot, but I feel like the setup, mostly everything works in this movie for me because it's funny. A lot of it is, it makes me laugh. It's not the best. Some of it is quite bad in terms of, well, it's a 90s movie. It's of its time. But I feel, I, I feel like the, the magic is in, in, in there back and forth though. What um, do you think is the most 90s thing about this film? <laughs> I know it's a tough call. I know what I think it is. I don't know. I could. I'd say pick anything from this movie, and it's. I'm going to go ahead and say. I mean, the the fashions, obviously. Marge Helgenberger's hair. What the fuck? It looked like it was constructed in the Jim Henson studio for a start. Oh, is that the um, Rod Stewart? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Internal affairs. And she was terrible. She got that right, detective. Yeah, she says things like that. She's awful. Yeah. Which, considering she great. went on to have like a multi-decade career in CSI. Yeah. Like, oh, did she? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not. I haven't seen her before. Only does police work. Okay. Yeah, that was a needless kind of plot thing where the internal affairs are coming in and saying, "I'm gonna, we're gonna shut you down in in three days." It's like, yeah, but the drug deal was going down in four days, so like. We've already got our ticking clock. Yeah. Why do we need this? We also? didn't. It was just a completely unnecessary plot point and yeah. character. It was weird. You could have cut that out and it wouldn't have made a slightest bit of difference and maybe had a bit more time with the, the bad guys. Yeah, I, which I would have vastly preferred. Yeah. And I think in a film this dumb, it's <laughs> not It's not a good move to overcomplicate things. No, it's not. It's so needlessly convoluted. Yes. But yeah, the, the soundtrack is like the most 90s thing that I've ever seen outside of Hackers. Um, who, have you, who have you got in the soundtrack? You, I've got a little something for you. <laughs> and I give you just three guesses to figure out just what it is. It's a great soundtrack. Is I it? love this. I had this on cassette. Of course you did. Yeah, and I, and I think they had the Mark Mancina score on it, I think. Um, but like a limited version of it. And the score, actually, while we're talking about the soundtrack, the score, for me, is one of the all-time greats. And I love it. It's better than it has any right to be for this film. 
it um, totally elevates it for me. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think I'd only seen Bad Boys once, probably back in the late 90s yeah. or early 2000s, prior to watching it again for this show. Yeah. But I recognised the music. Mm. So although I am loath to heap praise on Bad Boys, <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined to agree that it is, it's very memorable. It is. And well, obviously you've got the, the theme tune to Cups, I mean, you Cups. Yeah, what? which... Bad Boys! I'm not a fan what of that. What you do? I think, do you know what one of my pet peeves is? I think when they shoehorn, yeah, (laughs) when they shoehorn in music that echoes the title or the themes of the film, I find that to be a hack move. No, yeah, that's a fair comment. Um, It's a personal grievance. Okay. (laughs) I I give this one a pass because I think the tune is such a banger. Almost ruined by that quote unquote reality TV show, (laughs) Cops, which was everywhere in the 90s for some reason. Yeah. Um, yes, soundtrack, really, really good, I think, but definitely of its time. Where, where are we with the plot? So they've got to find the drugs and they're doing, they're doing detective work. They've got informants, Jojo, Jojo the Thai guy. They're going to ask him a few (laughs) questions. They take a a trip up to high society. They do. Um, I, I'm stopping myself from quoting this film (laughs) because I tell you, like I rented this I guess in 95 or 96, when it was released on VHS, I rented this. I did a double double feature. I did this with Dumb and Dumber. And I was sick at the time. I remember it quite clearly. I watched As Dumb- a result of these films? No, yeah. <laughs> no, I was already sick. And I watched Dumb and Dumber. I was a bit underwhelmed by it, which completely what? changed on rewatches. And it's one of my favourite movies. Classic. Yeah. But I was underwhelmed with it at the time, but I put that down to being ill. And I, and I watched this after, and I loved it immediately. I rewound it and watched it again. Bought it on VHS, I think, a couple of weeks later, and then just watched it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Wow. So how many of those, like, 37 viewings, which I'm assuming is a guesstimate, how many of those were in the first couple of years? The bulk of them? Um, definitely the bulk of them. In, in Yes. But it's one you return to regularly, is it? I probably watch it... In the last five years, I've probably watched it four times. I wow! Say. Almost once a year. Yeah, it's almost it's almost a once a year for me. It's this t- is your Empire Records. Um, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I enjoy it. It's a comfort comfort movie for me. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so back to the plot. So we haven't really done any action stuff yet. Oh, we'll get to the action okay. stuff. Okay. Interestingly, after watching Hard Boiled a couple of weeks ago, there's some stuff I want to talk about. Okay. So they're trying to solve the case. They go to a nightclub called Club Hell, which is a terrible name for the club, isn't it? I feel like that was improvised. Club Hell, it's boring. Yeah. Like there was, um, I guess, Manchester's equivalent as like an alternative club called Satan's Hollow. Okay. It's way more imaginative. Yeah. Go for something like that. Club hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the most nineties thing in this. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um and the, but they're they're going to Club Hell to find Fouché and the gang and they stumble upon uh, a truck full of ether. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, after they've had a fight in a bathroom actually, Marcus Burnett gets uh Well Julie almost gets them in the shit again. She was just told to stay put. Yeah. But she's terrible at hiding. Yeah, she wants a bit of revenge. So she goes to try and find Fouché and, and shoot him. Um, this is a club hell, but they manage to avoid that or they push the gun out of the way and then they have a bit of a fight in the bathroom. Someone gets their head uh, jammed onto your urinal that's full of piss. Oh, and then That was the most disgusting thing in this entire film. Which was real piss. That was Michael Bay's actual piss. How do you know that? That's not real. That's not an actual fact. It was on the uh, commentary. You're spreading misinformation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they have to escape because they're just outnumbered, I think, or or some other reason. (laughs) Because they need a car chase, that's why. And they get in this truck that just happens to be full of explosives, (laughs) ether. But they explain it because they're going to cut the heroin with ether because it like quadruples the value, apparently. I Is think, that true? I th- yes, I believe so. Really? Or, or, I think so. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Um, but I have very limited knowledge on heroin, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll have to trust you. Not I that think... you have much more, I right. should state. Let's move on. <laughs> so <laughs> they've got a truck full of ether that's just hanging up in barrels. 
Um, and they're getting chased by the bad guys. So Mike Lowry sort of throwing barrels of ether out and, and shooting guns at them and they explode and you've got explodey things happening on the roads. Is that where the phrase um, disappeared into the ether comes from? Is that what they mean? Something's in, in a barrel. Do you think that <laughs> that phrase was originated in um, Bad Boys 1995? I think this is where it originated. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so action scene. Quite enjoyed this this action scene, this yeah, chase. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. And they total the truck. At this point, Marcus's wife thinks that he's on holiday in Cleveland or <laughs> yeah. some police thing. Some because he has to lie. That apparently, I wasn't paying attention to because he has to lie because it's the nineties. You've got to lie to your wife, haven't you? What else are you going to do? Has that changed? Uh, <laughs> I think that would probably happen now. It's probably yeah. It's probably quite modern actually when you think about it. <laughs> How do you feel about the look of this film? Um, it looks all right. I mean, it's it's a Michael Bay movie. It looks like every other Michael Bay movie, but it was the first to do it. But it so I quite like it. In terms of the colour grading, like this is the most orange and teal I've ever seen outside of a Soderbergh movie or Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. The most orange and teal. Mm. Like some of it looked like it had been filmed on Mars. Yeah. It was insane. Everything's got to be either bright blue skies or a sunset yeah no in between <laughs> yeah that's true yeah but yeah i did i don't know i found that to match the tone of the film well it was, it was shot in my it was um based in miami so i guess that yeah it's sunny there isn't it they weren't sweaty enough for it to be believable miami for me okay <laughs> i've I seen dexter also the the miami pd is far goofier than dexter led me to believe <laughs> <laughs> so you said earlier that the first scene involving Marcus and Mike. Am yeah. I getting the names right? You, you may have to correct me at some yep. point. No, you're right. Bad boys, expert over there. Um, so you talked about the fact that you thought that opening scene was really good in terms of, um, I guess, laying down who these people are, mm. the tone of the movie, what we're likely to be in for. Yeah. Which I agree with to a certain point. But I don't think it told us very much about them as people. As cops, yes. As people, no. Okay. Do you I, disagree with that? I do disagree. Okay. Because Mike Lowry's got a sweet Porsche. <laughs> and Marcus Burnett doesn't respect... Doesn't have property. a sweet Porsche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because on account of him yeah. being henpecked, I, <laughs> yeah. I assume. Yeah, she just wouldn't let him get a sweet Porsche. <laughs> I I think it tells you everything that you need to know about these characters. Okay, which is that they're very little about <laughs> as shallow as a paddling pool. Yeah, I th yeah I think it tells you everything you need to know. I didn't find either of them to be very likable at all, which I imagine was not the desired effect. Because I I don't know. I remember thinking like about twenty minutes in that I felt like I still didn't know anything about either of them, other than that they were both assholes in different ways. Okay, so Mike M Mike Lowry yeah. always wanted to be a cop. Right. He's the first one at the crime scene, mm -hmm. and he's the last one to leave the crime scene. Okay. He wants, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy to be proven wrong. But his family was left money, and what's he supposed to apologise for his family leaving <laughs> money? And the other cops resent him, but he's a super cop. And Marcus Burnett used to have an afro and... <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> and their mates. We saw that that photograph album, so that like, added some layers to the, the Marcus Burnett character. Added some layers. Yeah, no, absolutely. The characterization is like an onion. You're correct. Yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> I thought. I feel like. I mean, what you think? I think about Die Hard. What did we know about John McClane in Die Hard? He did, likes takes vests. <laughs> doesn't like planes, <laughs> which is a big problem for Die Hard too. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you you get enough for a, okay. a silly action movie. You don't need much more. We're not talking about heat here, you know. No, I know the the plot was so convoluted that it didn't really leave a lot of breathing room for more intense characterization. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Which is fine. It's not. I'm not saying mine is a valid complaint, but I I still feel like I don't know a great deal about those characters. Yeah. They felt quite two dimensional. Okay. Which again is fine for a film like this. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Some of the stuff we talked a little bit, and I don't want to harp on about misogyny every week. <laughs> I don't want to be the, the podcast's fun sponge. But 
But there was some stuff in this that kind of stood out to me that I hated, which I guess goes some way to explaining why I didn't like the characters very much. Because yeah. obviously Mike is very much just thinks of himself as a bit of a smooth ladies' man. and this It comes up several times that, oh, even Julie says, I thought you was meant to be a smooth one, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. And I I don't know why, but I have like a full body reaction to people who are that overconfident. <laughs> and it's not a positive one. Yeah. Um, so that always rubs me up the wrong way. But even the scenes where we see Marcus with his wife and his kids, like some of the stuff he says to his wife, it's, it seems like a very traditional sort of, almost 50s American white picket fence idea of the family. Yeah, but, but the, the, the synopsis tells you that, doesn't it, as well? It's the hen... 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 Picked. Picked up by hens. Hen... Picked. Yeah. Hen... Picked. I mean, that's... <laughs> God. I've said it too many times. None of it sounds correct anymore. It's... um. Well, I've said it a few times. It's dated. It is dated. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You're but right. Some of the stuff... Like, the interactions he has with his wife and some of the stuff where he's sort of trying to talk her into bed before he goes to work and says, I think, you know I'm a better cop if I get some in the morning. Which is like the most coercive piece of shit thing to say <laughs> to your other half. Yeah, you better you better, better give me a hand job or else yeah, some person person's going to get yeah. gatted. <laughs> I hated that. Yeah. Um, and yes, it was the 90s, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on about it too much. I can forgive stuff like that in a film like this. Because, I mean, this is a film where you can fucking smell the testosterone. You, yeah, it's it's all about machismo. It's it's. I'm not defending it. It is a terrible... Some of but the you're allowed terrible. to. It just it doesn't affect the enjoyment for me. Yeah. But mostly, I think, because of the age I was when I saw it. Yeah. I still feel like that kid when I'm watching it. It's an yeah, emotional response. Like, objectively, I watch this. And actually, like, um, you know, when you're watching something, when you're... You've got to try and remain as objective as possible when you're going to talk about it in the, on a on a podcast. So there, you know, I, I can watch it and go, "Oh, that's not good," or "This is bad." But my emotional response is still, ah, "This is a cool movie." <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's totally valid, though. Um, but yeah, and there was another moment as well where I think it was aimed at Julie, and I. I cannot remember which one of them said it to her but they were just like oh my god calm down it's <laughs> yeah. like she's fucking calm my dude what I are you talking about wasn't it wasn't it marcus burnett that shouted calm down yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're being hysterical you're the one who needs to get some therapy and yeah. a blood pressure check my guy yeah <laughs> she's all right given <laughs> the circumstances and i wouldn't have blamed her for being hysterical when <laughs> mate got murdered she nearly damn near got her ass blown off mm-hmm. And also... Uh, she keeps losing at hide-and-seek. She keeps losing at hide-and-seek. She keeps getting handcuffed to steering wheels. <laughs> oh, but she was smart enough to um, to find a workaround to that. Which doesn't work. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, there's so much stuff that doesn't yeah. make sense in this. Um, but I would have forgiven uh, Tia Leone for actually being hysterical. Because at one point she, um, she actually got hit in the head with... A AK forty seven. Holy shit! Yeah, apparently went you know her legs went completely over her head. <gasps> she was just off her mark. So apparently. she didn't just get like it wasn't like a little tap. That sounds like she was decked if her legs yeah. went over her head. Yeah, the stunt. Holy shit! The stunt guy accidentally um, got her in the head. She <gasps> was off her mark, and she rolled over. Um, and apparently Michael Bay was super upset and said, "Oh no, what if she can't finish the movie?" And she was, <laughs> that's his first thought she was very upset by that understandably so but yeah so she had a, she had a bit of a rough time making this I think okay I, I can understand why Tia Leone didn't come back but I do feel like she elevated this film I thought she was pretty good in this and some of her dialogue we briefed on Touchly uh, we br- touched touched on briefly earlier the, the, the bit where she's doing the um, trying to identify the criminals with Martin Lawrence mm-hmm. and she's explaining to him that his bologna sandwich is made that used to have a face <laughs> yeah and, uh, my bologna had a first name you know <laughs> and um, that was all ad-libbed okay that was all ad-libbed and that was really good that was maybe my favourite interaction between those two yeah in this movie I think because because Michael Bay's films are so loud and bright and kind of bombastic 
I, you don't often see those quieter moments yes. where the characters are sort of given a chance to get to know each other and shine a little bit. To be characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's to the detriment of his films. Yeah. Agreed. I think he's the one that needs to calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And just allow that sort of stuff to breathe. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And and I feel like that's why things like Bad Boys and The Rock work better than his later movies. Because he's, I mean, you take Six Underground and it's just it's just two and a half hours it's of explosions. Nonsense. And you're just like, what? What's going on? Who's that guy? Somebody hopping around on scaffolding or whatever yeah. the fuck was Plus going on. Dave Franco gets a scaffold through the chest or something. <laughs> in that movie. I, don't I don't remember that at all. But yeah, the quieter moments... <laughs> In, in his earlier work, when you've got the, the talent, they work pretty well. Yeah. Um, the bit that didn't work pretty well, and unfortunately was also ad-libbed, where Julie and, and Marcus are in the apartment, mm-hmm. and she notices that he's got pictures of Mike, because it's his apartment, <laughs> all over the apartment, and she this she says, you know, I thought maybe, uh, you know, I thought maybe, um, you know, oh, I don't know how to say this, I don't want to offend you, I thought maybe you were gay. And that's like the worst thing that you could ever say to Marcus Burnett. I mean, it's just terrible, isn't it? Like, why would you accuse someone of being gay? Isn't that awful? Especially when they, they're already so henpecked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gay. And he's like, oh, didn't you feel that bump in the bed? That's where I get down. But um, as you quite rightly pointed out, like, like gay people have sex in yeah, beds also. exactly. That doesn't prove a thing. <laughs> They would be thrusting in both scenarios. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking... Anyway, <laughs> the, the, the point is that, that that is possibly one of the parts that's aged the worst. I don't care for that dialogue at all. Well, it was. It just harks back to a time where we were on playgrounds and kids yeah. would throw around gay as an insult. Exactly. It feels like an eight-year-old has written that. Gay. Oh, you're gay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not it's, an insult. <laughs> no, no, it's horrible. And it's played for laughs and it's just totally... Is, is possibly my least favourite part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not necessary. It is. It's it's a bit of a low blow. It's a low... Like if that's the only way you can think of to make your characters funny, then yeah, work on that a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, I did read some stuff that was interesting in terms of lines that were added into the script mm. after the fact. Because um, at the beginning... Well, I do um, no, no, no. I mean, sort of... But, well, it sounds like the script was heavily modified from its original iteration. Yeah. And obviously a lot of that, as we've discussed, was due to kind of it being a piece of hot shit and um, Bay kind of conferring with the actors and yeah. ad-libbing, you know, workshopping, that sort of thing. Um, and there's a bit at the start where Marcus um, talks about the franchise Denny's. Now, we don't have Denny's in the UK, so I don't know a great deal about that as a whole but he i can't remember the exact line but he says something about he didn't want to go there because he doesn't like the way that um we've been treated right and apparently that's connected to the fact that in the 90s um the the chain denny's uh settled several lawsuits alleging that staff had been racist to customers oh okay so i mean sick burn denny's so they're trying to so i kind of respect including that they're trying to do some social commentary in Bad Boys. In Bad Boys, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. there if you look for it. Okay, that's interesting. I had I, I know the line you're talking about. Okay. I didn't did not know that was what that was in reference to. And mm-hmm. actually later on in a movie, which um, is another uh, bit of improvisation, and maybe the standout line is where they go into the shop. Oh, the convenience store. The convenience shit, store, yeah. yeah Which is funny because I'm I'm not very familiar with this at all. And I know there were a couple of moments where we were watching it and you were like, oh, iconic shot coming up. Yeah. But to me, the scene in the convenience store is probably one of the most famous. Yeah, definitely. Back up, put the gun down and get me a pack of tropical fruit bubblicious. Yeah. And some skittles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Improvised. And it works. They've got that wide, uh, wide lens where you get both of them in shot, pointing the guns at the camera. Yeah. Totally works. And it's a, a brilliant, brilliant it scene. It is a good shot. It's a good I'll shot. Give him that. It's a good scene. He knows what he's doing with the camera. I, I mean, he. I would say that they, uh, way too many edits, way too many cuts, obviously, but he knows how to shoot. That was one of the first notes that I actually made, was just, oh my God, there are so many cuts. Yeah. I feel like I'm going mad. Yeah. And, and I feel like... Michael Bay is probably single-handedly responsible for many, many, many 
garbage action sequences <laughs> that we got for the next 20 years. And I feel like we're only starting to come away from that now with the John Wicks. And when yeah. we're trying to make more of a focus back on so practical people were trying to takes. mimic what Bay had popularised, I think. I, I, th- I think. I think it's probably more of a logistical thing. I think it's okay. probably just cheaper to shoot any old shit and then cut around it and then yeah. you can just do some close-ups and shake the camera a bit, do constant cuts and you can hide a lot by doing that. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to pay for actors to do martial arts training or get super martial arts experts in. Or stunt doubles that even look yeah. a, a bit like them. <laughs> I, I, it's probably a cost-saving exercise. Partly, yeah. Partly some of it is, is probably aesthetic. It's just, you know, that's what Michael Bay does. That's what works, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But I feel like most of it is probably a money thing. Um, you know, things like Taken when you've got Liam Neeson, you know, is he going around kicking Russians in the head? No, he's not. They're just (laughs) cutting and it looks like he is if you squint your eyes. But I feel like Bay is responsible for that. Yeah. Um, And it probably came out of necessity initially because, you know, this movie was made for 20 million, which blows my mind. That does seem low. I mean, having read some of the trivia about uh, cost saving exercises like you talked about they used his Porsche in the scene They, um, I, th- I believe he funded the finale himself yeah. because the studio wouldn't give them any additional money God what I mean how does this movie end if they don't, <laughs> don't does this know. movie just end in uh, Mike's go. apartment then yeah <laughs> Right, yeah, maybe. I guess so. It needs that action scene. Yeah. Well. It needs it. Otherwise there is no climax. Yeah, yeah but yeah you're right he um, he drops some of his salary to pay, help pay for that final action scene. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for, for 20 million, bear in mind last week we spoke about all seven police academies. <laughs> police Academy 4 costs 17 million. That's which is crazy. 3 million less than in, Bad Boys. In what, 87, 88? Yeah, nearly a decade That's before crazy. this. So it's a hell of an achievement to, to have made this. Yeah. I feel like there's there was going to be a lot of people that were overworked and underpaid. So it's not great. No, especially in terms of like the the practical stuff and the stunts and the explosions, like that on paper should have cost far more. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they again saved a lot of money on uh, script rewrites by just getting the actors <laughs> by not to having do it. a writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by just having it be an organic process. Yeah. Yeah. They probably didn't spend that much on cast. Martin Lawrence, I think, yeah. was a big name at the time. Like I said, I wasn't aware. But he was probably looking for a big role. Mm-hmm. Will Smith was coming off the back of Fresh Prince, and I believe he'd done Made in America at that point as a side character. Oh wow, yeah, okay. So this was his first big role. Yeah, he probably didn't cost that much at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, relatively speaking, Tia Leone um, came over to LA in 1988 for a Charlie's Angels reboot. Which okay. never happened. Yeah, you know? I was going to say, I'm not aware yeah, no, of that. You wouldn't be, it just didn't happen. <laughs> okay. But she came over in 88 to, it, it, with the intention of shooting the, the remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. And she got paid $80,000 and it never went ahead. So she got paid $80,000 to not do anything. And to this day, she says it's the best job she's ever had. <laughs> oh, I like her. The yeah, more I hear about great. her. She's great, honestly. <laughs> so you're not spending that much on cast. It's all set pieces. Yeah. No, no cast costs, no script costs. Maybe Joey Pants was the best paid actor in this movie. You reckon? Maybe. He was, I mean, he's a character actor, so, you know, he did the, the Matrix a couple of years after this, but... Yeah. I suppose he's just getting started doing his Joey Pants stuff, isn't it, at this point? <laughs> you know... Just the fact that you're affectionately calling him Joey Pants I mean, tickles me. Joey Pants has been around forever, <laughs> but I'm talking about, like, modern-day legendary Joey Pants. Yeah. Like, that you've got Bad Boys, you've got... Uh, bound you've got yeah the matrix mm-hmm. and you know that's when you really start getting joey pants memento he's very joey oh, pants in that damn i need to rewatch memento it's a, i like that movie but i don't remember that much i about knew it. you were gonna make that joke i knew it you beat me to it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so 20 million blows my mind that they made this movie for that. The, the Bad Boys 2 was a completely different story. That cost 140 million. What? I haven't seen the second one. It's dreadful. And that was 2003. So that was nearly a whole decade later, yeah. which was kind of a long time to wait for a sequel back then. Huge amount of time, because this was very successful, this, this film. Yeah. It made 140, 
40 million dollars at the worldwide box office so you would think that would be straight on a sequel but mm. i do think obviously you've got bad boys 95 will smith huge breakout star after this movie and fresh prince and obviously he had uh, the music career didn't they he was just he was too busy getting jiggy with it yeah <laughs> And yeah. saving the White House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's interesting because the year after he does Independence Day, and then he's just you know yeah. hitting the stratosphere, and then he's got Men in Black, and I feel like he's too busy in that period. Um, no, no what, Michael Bay. Hello. <laughs> no, I can't do Bad Boys Two. Why? Wild Wild West. <laughs> Wild Wild West. That's what we're doing. That was the smart choice. Big mistake. <laughs> big mistake <laughs> but i feel like he's too busy and that's probably why maybe it was just like anything. but they're gonna allow me to do a song <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> oh no so they wait a nearly a full decade for bad boys 2 and it was this came out in 95 bad boys 2 in 2003 it's just when the internet's starting to get going so i'm on google every day <laughs> trying to figure out when bad boys 2 is coming out <laughs> so i'm super excited for bad boys 2 and then i watch it and it was nonsense which, do you know what? I am actually intrigued to see it. I think I would like to watch two and three now because although I have a lot of criticism for mm. the first film, yeah. I still think, I think I gave it a three out of five. I'm surprised. I know you are, yeah. yeah. But it is a very entertaining film. Yeah. I will give it its due. Um, it's pretty pacey. Yeah. It, it doesn't drag it at moves. any point. Yeah. And for a two-hour film... Normally, in a two-hour action film, you'd expect loads of exposition stuffed in just to pad out the running time. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think that was the case here. I think there was some extraneous plot points that could have been trimmed. Yeah. But none of it dragged. I wasn't bored. The action was really well done, I thought, for the most part. Yeah. Um, exhilarating. Nonsensical, but yeah. exhilarating. Yeah. It was just a bunch of cool shots, cool-looking yeah. shots. Will Smith's got a shot down and he's going to say, sup to somebody before <laughs> shooting them and then their body just flies a thousand yards across the airport hangar. There were a few moments in the second half where I audibly laughed. Yeah. At, like bodies being catapulted through the air. Yeah. Oh, uh, you forgot your boarding pass. Um, <laughs> the, the the New York uh, bad guy, henchman guy gets shotgunned in oh, the chest yeah. and, you know, and gets blown onto... Yeah, because if you fall onto a, an, an electrical Any sort of cabinet, circuit board. <laughs> it just immediately electrocutes you. That, yeah, that's scientifically sound. That doesn't seem safe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's at the top of their list of concerns at no. that point. Um, hmm, we should probably get a safety check here, lads. Yeah, but super pacey. I feel like Bad Boys 2 was way too bloated. Okay. Bad Boys, and I hated it. I hated Bad Boys 2. I the, think it's a terrible movie. This is his shortest film. I'm Did not you know surprised. And well, as of 2020, I don't know um, I don't know the running time yeah, of like, Ambulance. It felt longer. <laughs> yeah, Ambulance was longer, I think. Okay. Pearl Harbor was four days long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Transformers are a full month each. <laughs> Yeah, that, it certainly feels that way. But that's why I say like it feels like Bay kind of restricted, and he was, you know, because he only had twenty million, so he was, he was quite limited in what he could shoot. And now they're just like Michael Bay have all of the money, and he shoots whatever he wants. But I find this is often the way with yeah. directors. I mean, look at people like Peter Jackson, for example. It's a real testament to the phrase necessity is the mother of invention. If you're cash strapped, you have to find interesting workarounds and mm. it often results in a far more interesting film, I yeah. think, final product. Um, and like you say, he's kind of, he's reached such a point in his career where people just toss money at him yeah. or um, he can fund it himself. Yeah. Um, is it Platinum Dunes? That's his company? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so he does produce as well. But yeah, so he doesn't need to go beg into a studio anymore. He no. can just fund whatever he wants. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. It's definitely not a good thing. And, you know, his earlier work, Bad Boys and The Rock specifically, Bad Boys being his first film, he gets recruited by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, who are legends in the action genre. You know, at this point, they'd done you know, Top Gun, Days of Thunder, um, Crimson Tide maybe was might have been after this movie, but okay. you know, huge legends, and I, I I love a lot of their movies. So I would imagine that they were looking over his shoulder for a lot of it uh, for Bad Boys and The Rock. But by the time you get to Armageddon, which I think is still a Jerry Bruckheimer production, mm -hmm. but they were probably they probably gave him a lot more leeway, and then 
you know, his filmography goes on. And like you say, he's just given carte blanche. And I think that's a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. Especially for somebody like him with yeah. his sort of sensibilities and just absolute teenage boy mentality. Yeah. It's too much. I kind of I kind of put him in a similar realm to Zack Snyder in that Michael Bay <sighs> yeah. makes really nice looking movies. Mm-hmm. There's some really good camera work, some really good looking explosions. Zack Snyder's films, for the most part, look stunning. He yeah. knows how to make a picture look good. <laughs> But that's about it. But that's it. Like, <laughs> With story the exception of the Dawn of the Dead remake, which I Which still was written think is by James Gunn. Excellent. Well, yeah, so it there you shows. Go. <laughs> but that's what I mean. So you get the you get the visual flair of Zack Snyder yeah. and the storytelling prowess of James Gunn. Mm-hmm. And you get a really good movie. Yeah. But that's how it should be. But you become so successful that you just you, you don't take any advice from anybody. You just get a bunch of yes people surrounding you, I guess, and you end up with six underground. That would explain Six Underground. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. So what do you think um, What do you think would improve Michael Bay's films? Just smaller budgets? Smaller budgets. Somebody I, to rein uh, him in a bit. Yeah, I think that's it's quite simple. I think you need to cut his budgets in half and give him a good script that he gonna, has yeah, no influence over. Yeah. None. <laughs> just, in fact, just make Michael Bay second unit director. Yeah. Just get him to be, do all the second unit action stuff. He can order the drones and that's about it. (laughs) And you've got a drone limit, by the way. You've got a limit of three drone shots in the entire movie. But what he would end up doing is shooting the entire movie on a drone. You say that, but I loved some of the really dynamic drone stuff in Ambulance. So did I. I just, when he got to the 73rd drone shot, I was just over it. Yeah. There was some really cool stuff, like with drones going under cars. And I've never seen drones utilised that well. They just did it too much. Yeah. That's the problem. And it just got boring. Yeah, that's fair. Too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. You haven't seen Bad Boys 2 or Bad Boys 3. Or 3, yeah. I would say... I'm kind of interested to give Bad Boys 2 another go. I think... Because it's funny. I remember you saying a while back that you hated it. Yeah. And I think I looked it up on Letterboxd. And actually, people speak quite highly of it. Okay. And it has a, a... pretty much equal average to the first movie. Uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are obviously a fan. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen Bad Boys 2? <laughs> yeah, I don't care for it. I was, uh, what I was saying earlier, I was super excited to watch it. I'm very disappointed when I did watch it. Okay. It How was, many times have you seen it since? I think at most twice. Oh, right. At okay. most. But you did give it a second shot. I think, maybe not, but okay. I think so. I definitely watched it when it came out and then I hated it and I thought, some years later, I was give it an go, and I'm pretty sure I still hated it. Okay. But that is like way over a decade ago now. So I would kind of be interested in giving it another go. People change, Dan. People change. Maybe you'd love it now. Maybe I've matured. <laughs> and maybe Bad Boys 2, I now understand. You, know, <laughs> you just weren't maybe on grown. the same level yeah. as Bad Boys 2. <laughs> I think they hide drugs in corpses in that movie. Okay, interesting. And for some reason, they destroy all the favela housing. Lovely. Yeah, yeah isn't that nice? Okay. Thank you, Michael Bay. <laughs> but then Bad Boys 3... Brings it back, and I really enjoyed Bad Boys Three. I think okay. it's, it's it's a return to form for sure. Wasn't directed by Michael Bay. Yeah, I I saw that was absent. Yeah, from his uh, CV. But they, you can tell that that, that, that they have a love for the franchise, okay. the directors. Um, Who did they direct bring, it? I, I knew you was going to ask me. <laughs> Sorry, putting you on the spot now. Yeah, I don't know. Let me get on. To, can you feel a little bit while I get into that <laughs> I'd be interested to know um, how much input Michael Bay had in the third one, if any, or if he just kind of sold the rights to the property and let somebody else have a stab at it. I don't know, you know. I, well, Sony, I reckon, own the rights. Has Bay got any influence? Oh, the, th- Maybe the first not, two were know. both Sony, were they? Yeah, I think okay. so. I think so. I think they're, well, they're still owned by Sony, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they so the directors of Bad Boys for Life were Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah. Okay. Um, what are they known for? Let's have a look now. Oh, Bad Boys Four. <laughs> <laughs> they did such a good job with three, yeah. which is still happening. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar with any of their any of their with filmography. the same cast because Will Smith's kind of unpopular right now, isn't he? Uh, he is. Yes, he's somewhat unpopular. He's not. He's not quite managed a redemption tour just yet. No, I. But they're still making it. Okay, uh, they've announced that they're still making it, mm-hmm. and they should because Bad Boys Three was a, a big success as well, and 
it was really good. It was they you could tell that they had a love for the franchise and they brought back the score for the original. They they okay. took that Mark Mancina score, Lorne Balf uh repurposed Your favourite. One of my favourites, <laughs> yeah. Lorne Balf is 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 a brilliant, brilliant composer and done some really good um some really good scores. So they bring him in and he repurposes the original score, which just uh, probably is is half of the reason why I love this first movie so much is mm-hmm. that, that soundtrack. It's better than it has any right being and definitely elevates it, I think. It makes it feel more like prestige cinema, um, whereas actually <laughs> it's, the movie itself is more B-movie yeah. cinema. Yeah, the content of it, for yes. sure. Yes, yes. I mean, it's got a lot in common with a lot of this sort of shitty 80s action movies yeah. that we enjoy yeah. in terms of tropes and plot beats. Yeah, you, you know, Wisecracking Cop, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. But you're right, the score does sort of give it a, an edge, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm at a point where I'm ready to start wrapping that up now, but there is something I want to talk about before we do, and that is to, as I said earlier, kind of tie it back to Hard Boil, to our first show. Yeah. Um, because on the commentary track for this film, Apparently, Michael Bay um, implores fans not to think he steals from John Woo, <laughs> which methinks thou dost protest too much. Yeah, um, what I was thinking. Yeah, the shootout scene at the hotel was filmed before the director ever saw a John Woo film, or admitted to having seen That's a John Woo bollocks. film. I mean, even just the double wielding of the guns yeah. is straight out of. Something like Hard Boiled, Mate, right? which John Woo popularised. But there's even a slow motion flappy bird in one yeah. of the shots. Yeah. I feel like... So, like, okay. one, one or the other could be an accident. I'm going to play <laughs> devil's advocate here. Okay. He's lying. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to play devil's advocate. He's the devil. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, okay. No, seriously, devil's advocate. Maybe he hadn't seen... I would be amazed if he hadn't I watched Hard Boiled. I would be shocked. Yeah. He's an action movie director. Yeah. Like... Firstly, why are you not watching Hard Boiled? Because if you want to do great action, you need to know what the current language of action scenario yeah. is, right? So, the, I mean, more than anything, so that you don't accidentally plagiarise yeah. somebody. Uh, but but maybe maybe he was maybe he hadn't seen Hard Boiled, but he would have been aware of it for in the sure. Zeitgeist. Um, and he would have, I because I, watching this. I hadn't. I'd never thought about it, but clearly he was influenced by John Wick. Yeah, clearly. I thought about it several times. Yeah, and I know that's only because it was on my mind from a couple of weeks prior. Yeah, but still, it seemed pretty blatant to yeah. me. Um, but obviously, context is missing from that quote. We don't know if maybe he was. He felt the need to defend himself because he's been asked that question so many times. But if he was saying it apropos of nothing, that screams guilt to me. Yeah, it's like <laughs> why? Like I didn't even ask you this. Yeah, like, what, what was the question? <laughs> The question was like, are you happy to have rats on bad boys? He was like, I didn't steal anything <laughs> <Yeah>. from John Woo. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't, I didn't, Michael, I didn't, I didn't ask you that. Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never know. But we, we, we know. <laughs> so you gave this movie a three? I gave it a three out of five, I was yeah. really shocked because mm-hmm. I, I thought you hated this while we were watching it. I rolled my eyes many times. Yeah. And But there was there was a couple of points as well when you're like going on your phone and stuff. And I was like, oh, you hate this, don't you? Well, no, I was going on my phone to look things up. Right. I'm a, I'm a proper film watcher. I don't go on my phone. Okay, okay. Which is why I was surprised. Yeah. Which is why I thought you hated it. No, I was looking things up. But yeah, there, there's stuff in it that I hate. Yeah, For sure. Um, the stuff in it I find problematic, stuff that probably wouldn't fly today or shouldn't. Yeah. But like I've said, it, it's pretty by the numbers in terms of plot. Mm. But it's entertaining. Yeah. And that's so. all it needs to be. Yeah. So I, I have no real grievance with this film. I would watch it again. Yeah. It's daft. It's a lot of fun with some really with some problems. It's got some issues. It's it's really dated. If you'd have seen it like I did when I was 13 years old and you are a fan of action movies, the 90s action movies, then you'll have a really good time. And, and it, like I said earlier, it just it gets me, it just makes me feel 13 years old again. Because mm-hmm. I, I It hits you right in the nostalgia. I know the script. I used to be able to recite this script word for word with my mates. I'm not sure that's something I would admit to. <laughs> Not now. I've been resisting the urge to say a bunch of lines, but I go to say them like, no, you can't say that. (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot of fun with this. It's it's one of my favourite movies. 
it's it's in it's in my top twenty movies of all time. I thought you were going to say top ten then. I thought you were going to say it cracked the ubiquitous top ten. No, it's not quite top ten because I you know I can watch it and objectively it's not great, but it's pretty good. It's a pretty good action film. Look, what what you enjoy about a film is completely yeah. subjective. We're not here to say this is good, this is yeah. bad. These are just our opinions. I, and I, I and I I score films subjectively. Yeah. Because I go on Letterbox, I give this a four and a half out of five, <laughs> which, which is I know, I know. <laughs> but The Rock, I love The Rock. I think yeah. it's great, and objectively, a way better movie than Bad Boys. But okay. I give that a four. Okay, just because it's not as personally enjoyable. It's I, it's I love it. It's just not as personally enjoyable. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, I think that's yeah, right. It hasn't that's fine. it hasn't quite got that that magic that this film has, and I think that magic comes from Will Smith and Martin Lawrence and their back and forth. And not, you know, I was a huge Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and Will Smith was like, well, you know, maybe not so much these days, but as a, <laughs> as a young impressionable teenager, he was kind of my hero. He was pretty cool. He was very cool. Yeah, he was very cool. And I don't like Chris Rock either. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you're still of that opinion. I'm team. I'm gonna. I'll be the first to say I'm team Will Smith. Okay. (laughs) Controversial. (laughs) That's a good place to end it. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a five star review on your platform of choice and come and shoot the shit with us on social media. All the links are in the description.